you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Board up, Big Station Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Matt Weber back on the board. SP Futures up 64. Yes, 64. NASDAQ Futures up 285. Big movers. So that's a 2% move in the NASDAQ. Big movers. Facebook up 31 bucks as we, uh, as they came out with some, uh, Stuff that people liked. We still have Microsoft up uh, pretty big from the day before, so uh, it was all a mistake. All these, these stocks belong in these rarefied air. We'll see how that works out, whether it's a bear market rally, which, by the way, is very welcome because I'm pretty long for all my people here, longer than usual. And so a good good thing for a while, at least for a little while. Lou, how are you? Good morning, sir. What's a good word? Uh, let's see. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess for uh, for Denver, the uh, the good word is you know quarterback at the Broncos. The Russell Wilson had his first uh, workout with the Broncos this week, and you know people waxing eloquent and rhapsodic over the fact that they've got you know this guy in, and I'm uh, I, I, I remain skeptical. Um. The uh, amount of, I can only imagine because you guys have a pretty good team. The no, amount we have of, a terrible team. Well, compared to the Bears, and we've, and, and we've had a terrible. No, we're actually very similar to the Bears in the way we play out here. We have a we have a terrible um, offensive philosophy. We can't seem to get out of our own way offensively. They've been ineffective. The defense has to carry way too much load for uh, for the. Uh, the rest of the team, and and I'm, I mean Wilson may be Wilson may be the, you know the guy everybody says you know people here say he is in, in the sense that he'll he'll save the franchise, but you know I'm I'm an old offensive lineman, and until you fix that offensive line and and make it possible for uh, for somebody to step back, you know three or four steps without having somebody in their face immediately or or open up some some lanes for their running backs. Until that happens, you know their, their offensive woes are going to continue. And they've got they've got two pretty good re- first two uh, receivers, and uh, and some other ones behind them. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm not optimistic. What do what do they have going in the draft? The Bears got nothing. They just got two second rounders, though, right, Manny? Yeah, and they acquired a, a, a pick uh, in that in the trade they did. A few weeks back, I'm drawing a blank on who it was. Um, so they're they're trying to build some draft. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded again to get more picks. But but yeah, they're still pretty light. No first rounders. Yeah, I, we don't have we don't have a first rounder either because of uh, because of what we we traded to get Wilson. So uh, I'm not I'm not optimistic, and and I don't I don't I I, I will say this. I, I hearken back to 1993. When I attended my first um, NFL agent meeting, and the, this was right after the collective bargaining agreement had been been uh, modified and ratified, 
and one of the one of the union's uh, analysts got up and said, "Let me just tell you what's going to happen with this new system we've got in place on drafts and and salary cap and everything else. It's going to expose the incompetence real quick. And if you don't understand the system, and if you're not a good judge of horseflesh, and if you can't manage your uh, you know, your compensation systems well." This is going to expose people very quickly. It's also going to expose the people who are good at this very quickly. I mean, we didn't we didn't realize that it was again. We were looking at Bill Belichick as the you know the god of the the god of the salary cap and player management at that time. After what happened in uh, in Cleveland, but um, the I, I remember listening to that and thinking that that's kind of that's kind of prophetic, and it has it has been that way. Um, it has it has stayed like that, you know, with with these ebbs and flows back and forth with some teams, you know. The, for example, the Redskins, you know, if you're if you, they've they've been terrible since that system came in, and and a number of other teams have as well, and it 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 really is amazing to me how um, ownership. And, and and front office, you know, management are are really not that good, not just at evaluating football talent, but really not that good at evaluating management talent. And I I think that's what's I think that's what's hurt the Bears for a decade. Well, they uh, a lot of a lot of teams even were having problems with the the draft with allegedly paying the rookies too much. They even fixed that for them. So now you can't even screw up on the rookies. Well, uh, right, but but it's a it's just a matter of it's a matter of priorities and horseflesh and 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 being able to evaluate talent, chief. Oh yeah, I, and and I mean it's that that's and and that goes when you have a team when you have teams that have been consistently bad through multiple coaching changes and front office changes, you, you start looking looking back to the common denominator, and the common denominator. Is usually the ownership. Well, it, it it sort of pans out if you look at the. Well, I don't. I guess if we look at all the teams, which I haven't, but I did a little bit of a study on the Bears versus the Packers. When we, I did this a while ago, Manny, and uh, and it was the. I just looked at all the drafts of the last, and I found some website, which of course I can't find again. Um, that evaluated every, not evaluated. They just told you in 1998. The Bears uh, drafted Matt Weber, and he ended up being a. Uh, he's still in the league. He's a special teams guy. He's something. Okay, they did that for every single one of everybody's drafts, and the the Bears not only had over like a fifteen year period versus the Packers, they had uh, way less draft choices to start out with because they traded them. Which you know some teams do and, and do effectively. Uh, but, uh, that, that reflects that reflects a philosophy that can work. Okay, I'm saying I'm not saying it can't work, but but the Packers had essentially 20 more people that they that they, I'll say 15 more people that they drafted just numbers wise, but the rest of them say the Bears drafted you know 35 and the Packers drafted 50 over this period of time. Out of the 50 people, the Bears the, the Packers drafted like 25 of them were still on their team, and another 20 were still in football someplace where the Bears. <laughs> Other thirty-five, there was like five or six left on their team, 
and maybe ten others even in the league. I mean, it was it was yeah. bizarre. Oh no, I, I I well, and I I hearken back again to my my family's football experience with the Vikings. My father was adamant about this that that he had the amazing good fortune when he came into the NFL to be working with a general manager, Jim Finks, who was a fantastic judge of player talent and and understood understood how the game worked and understood where the positions were they needed to fill and understood how you know the league at that time with its focus on defense and it's it's basically allowing the defenses to strangle their offenses he understood that if you wanted to win you had to have the defense to back it he he understood where the needs were on offense and he was a very good judge of, of talent and, and I, my father, you know, made no bones about it. The fact that, that, you know, Jim was the reason the Vikings had those great teams in the 1970s. And frankly, the reason the Bears, you know, got their, got their Super Bowl. In the oh, 80s. sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, the impact, the impact of that ability of one person with that kind of ability to come in and, and completely transform your organization is, is remarkable. But given the emphasis on on talent development, do you see the NFL promote over the last you know twenty years under the new collective bargaining agreement and with this flood of football money coming in from from television and and just general better management? Uh, you would think you would think they'd start seeing some results across more franchises. And I mean, you know, if if, if you're the NFL, you say, what are, what are you talking about, Lou? Because you know, we had two teams that hadn't been in the Super Bowl in, you know, in ages. And we had one of the most entertaining playoff sequences we've ever had last year. And, and you know, we have a brand new Super Bowl champion that's, that's out of the, you know, not, not comprised of the, of the usual suspects. So give us a break. Well, yeah, I don't disagree with that. In some, in some regards, in the macro level, I think they're fine. Going back to the Russell Wilson thing real quick. Um, I do worry that they may have bought at the top, and I wonder if if people in Denver Absolutely. are talking about that too. Because I love Russell Wilson. I mean, he's had, he's had a great career, won a Super Bowl, went to another one that they should have won, and they blew it at the end. Uh, but he's going to be 34 in November, yep. so this season he'll turn 34, and he's he's been a running running quarterback, you know, as, as a big part of his game for a long portion of his career, and he doesn't seem to run as much anymore because he's got a lot of mileage on him. And he's still only five ten. So you take away his his amazing quickness and 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 ability to you know extend plays and and run and pick up first downs. I mean, God, I hope a year from now, like he doesn't look like he's almost done. <laughs> I, I, Betty, that's that's exactly my my take. And and I have we have some good friends here who are are absolute you know diehard Broncos fans who who watch the the team religiously and you know. Russell Wilson's coming in. It's going to be the savior of this. And, and I, you know, my, my comment to them was the quarterbacks that you see winning these these games are typically not guys like that unless unless they've got a really good system in place around them already. And the, the Broncos have not demonstrated that. Um, now, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I don't. I don't have any confidence that the Denver management team's ability to judge 
quarterback talent with regard to Russell Wilson is any better than their ability to regard quarterback talent with respect to Drew Locke or, or uh, you know, any of the other quote-unquote saviors that they've supposedly brought in here. Well, they've brought in some fantastic wide receivers and, and, some, and some very good defensive players. But, boy, they, they can't pick a – I mean, I, I think I could pick a quarterback as well as they could. But some of these teams, when you, you get into the playoffs, and I know that the last several years there's been quarterback play in, in the playoffs have been spectacular by a lot of people. And maybe it's, maybe it's horrible defense, whatever it is, I don't know. But these the last-minute drives and all the scoring in the last couple of minutes, it looks like, and probably is, these quarterbacks are, you know, they're almost godlike in their ability. But the rest of the team gets them there. And when, when the Broncos drafted for this guy, I asked everybody on the show, I said, I might be a, a dumb dumb here, but I I didn't see the the Broncos as one player away. I mean, I, I thought they were nowhere near that good. And you know, a few people said, "Oh no, they're they're one player away. They're that good." I'm like, no, Boy, I don't know about that. Not not on my not in my opinion. And I mean, I you know, I'm just a, I'm just a fan. But but I drafting quarterbacks in their mid thirties has has generally not proven without without other stuff. Has generally not proven to be to be a winning combination. Now, L.A., you know, the Rams did it this year with what was Stafford, thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, and, but but they had <laughs> they had a, a a good offensive line in front of him, and they had the all universe wide receiver that, that that you know opened up all kinds of. Avenues for uh, for Stafford, and and really made him look made him look good. Um, so so I'm, you know, he he's he's the unicorn. Every every team in the National Football League looked at what L.A. did and how L.A. got there and said to themselves, okay, so the secret is, you know, trading away draft picks for one year, two years, buying the best people you can. Making your run because if they if they had not won the Super Bowl this year, I, I, I think everybody kind of acknowledged last year. I think everybody kind of acknowledged that that they were gonna they were gonna have trouble, you know, for the next next few years on draft uh, cap salary cap and 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 just talent level. So so that's one model. The other model, of course, is is Cincinnati, where you you find your all world quarterback, and and Cincinnati. I'm a huge Burrow fan. I think that kid is fantastic. But but he if he has one more year or two more years like the years he's had in his first couple of years, he's going to be broken by the time he's 28. Well, I mean, if you had a situation like, not wishing this on him, I like the guy, but Mike Mahomes uh, you know, wrecks something in, in training camp and you got a team that's that's that good, I could see them... Going for the Russell Wilson because that's a big, it's kind of a similar sort of guy, and it's a. I agree. And, but, that, that's a great point. Yeah. I agree that you can you can take and, and and Chief, you and I both have the same sort of similar mindset. If you've got a good package around them, you can make a you can make an average quarterback. You know, again, an average NFL quarterback is a very good athlete. You can make an average NFL quarterback great. You can make an average NFL running back look really good. You can you can win football games with an offense that that doesn't have to you know put up thirty or thirty points uh, a game, but but 
unless you've got all those pieces in place, just drafting one guy is not going to do it. And and I'm I'm with with Matt. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Wilson, and I think he's a I think he is a a good guy and and somebody I've, I've who's had tremendous NFL success. But I, you know, I think those years are his best years are are behind it. What's well, amazing he's how people Aaron, he's not Aaron Rodgers. It's stunning, uh, Lou, that maybe people who haven't played a lot of team sports really don't understand. <laughs> Sometimes don't have the depth of knowledge of how important the people around you are. I was listening. They Dick Butkus came in for one of the. Uh, it was in the Bears Super Bowl year or something, and he's he's, he's you know and he was always kind of blunt. And he goes, uh, so I said, Dick. Uh, well, do you think he could play in today's football? And he goes, behind these two tackles, I literally could play today. <laughs> I mean, uh, he was kind of kidding, but he's like, hey, with these kind of people around you, this is easy. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think a lot of that's true. I mean, uh, well, that, that just gives you, and that just gives you another marker of how good Butkus was. Because they they had some good players, but they didn't have they didn't have that that line of the uh, of the eighties, no. you know, behind them. And and he was he was a dominant force on defense, just all by himself, which which, which is amazing to think of. But but yeah, no, I, I I'm I, I always again I one of the great things that my you know my father we were talk talk about football when I'm you know around the dinner table at my house and my father was talking about the need. For you know, a certain level of talent at at every position, and, and and not just a level of talent, but a level of talent and a level of familiarity, you know, level of stability at at every position on the offensive line. And he said, you need to think of this offensive line play as a ballet with with two hundred and eighty to three hundred pound dancers. Who have to move in coordination with each other, you know, all the time, and and with other dance partners who are trying to stop them yeah. from dancing. <laughs> well, it's and and he said the only way you get the only way you you can function like that is with a bunch of people who've been together for a while and who work well together and and again have this this specific level of talent. And if you don't have that. It, it could fall apart instantly. No, you need the. You always need the the four sixes and the nine. The nine on a scale of one to ten. You need the you need your fours, Greg. You need your. You know, you, you need the one guy who can pretty much always handle his guy because then the numbers get a lot easier. Oh yeah, yeah. Then they can count. You know, if, if you can do that, if you can get the one on one isolations, then then all of a sudden, and, and again, my father's vision of offensive line play in the, in the NFL. Was a movement kind of line play, a lot of pulls, a lot of traps, a lot of double teams. So he he needed his linemen to be agile and 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 quick within that you know three to five yard box that they were that they were operating. Um, and and to have somebody who could handle this guy one on one regularly greatly facilitates that kind of that kind of offensive. Lou, line play. when they used to have more. Uh, um they didn't have as much uh, three four defense. They're more four three. It seems like in the the old days, the, the lineman wasn't wasn't really expected to get off the double team block and get into the second level as much as that kid from uh, Indianapolis Notre Dame does. What's his name? Uh, Quentin uh, Nelson. Quentin Nelson, where he 
he, he, he almost makes two blocks on the same play. Mm-hmm. Um, was that something that did? Is that something new? Just because there's more linebackers than down linemen. Um, you know, the way that I always understood it when 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 my father talked, for example, you know, and they they played against odd, they played against odd defenses. They they, you know, they saw the Kansas Cities and and uh, interestingly enough, my recollection is I saw more odd man lines where you had a man head up on the center. Uh, from the AFL team, the old AFL and AFC teams, than I did in the in the traditional NFC teams. But, but in any event, all that all that did was it it just changed the it changed the geometry a little bit of where you, you know, where you were gonna you were gonna hit hit somebody. But if you had like a three hundred and twenty five or three hundred and thirty pound nose guard that you were not gonna be able to move out of the way, then the the answer is you 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 tried to. Unless the guy was like a freak who could who could run real well, you just tried to shield him off, you know, chip in with somebody, and then make your point of attack somewhere else. You know, your point of attack is no longer on that guy. Your point of attack is, you know, two two uh, two players over. One of the uh... and, and and to the extent that you needed to move him, you would hit him. You would hit him hard with two guys. And if that if that didn't work, you said, okay, fine, we'll just we'll put one guy on him. We'll occupy, have him occupy one guy, and and he's not going to. We only have to occupy him for a split second, and and he's not going to be able to make the play that that uh, that they need him to make. Weird. Now, that alters your offense a little bit, but but yeah, there are ways to there are ways to deal with somebody like that. Well, your uh, your uh, Minnesota situation. One of the uh, core digest things. Somebody because I'm, I'm hooked up to the football questions too. Some interesting answers from some of these people. Uh, they hooked up with the, well, how did Minnesota lose basically four Super Bowls? And uh, the, the answer was the teams they played were a lot better, <laughs> way better. And, and, pers- talent, and talent-wise, I think that's probably true. Although, you know, so they played the Kansas City Chiefs in 1969, and they lost that Super Bowl. They Their first game the next season, Chief, was against Kansas City, and they beat them like a drum. And, and I, you know, the, and the personnel were virtually the same. Well, they said one of the biggest right. mismatches was uh, Curly Culp was like made two of Mick Tinklehoff, and they, they really didn't have an answer for that. No, Mick Mick was Mick was what two fifty, you know, uh, as a as a starting center, and and in nineteen in in nineteen seventy six he was or seventy five he was in his twelfth thirteenth year. So yeah, I mean I mean those those were. Those were real issues on that, and, and again in that in that era, the defense dominated. Well, because Curly Culp was a, I mean, he he was one of the strongest men they ever played, right? Yeah, yeah, and they tried. I mean, I know they tried to match, they tried to match him up with with uh, Ed White, who was also tremendously strong. But uh, it, yeah, I mean, and and the other factor, and and I'm I don't there's, there's plenty of there's plenty of blame to spread around if you want to spread. Well, that's for blame. But, but remember, remember the coaches weren't calling the plays then. Well, I mean, the, the point was, he said, if he went down the lineup, the, the Kansas City had had better, better. They had more outstanding people than Mike, Vikings. They did, they did, and in a in a number of in a number of positions, and yet, and yet, you know, that was a that was part of those early low scoring football Super Bowls. What was it, sixteen nine? Who did they have? Uh, 
Didn't they have they had Buck Buchanan? They had who was the, the linebacker? Oh, yeah, they had Buchanan. They had they had Bell, Bobby Bell. They yeah. had um, on defense. You know, they had they had some spectacularly talented people. But my point is, less than less than ten months later, Minnesota goes out and beats that Kansas City team up one side and down the other in a regular season game, and it was virtually the same team. Well, they had uh, one of the. So I, I, so I don't know what to tell you on that. Well, I used to watch. I used to listen to this stuff all the time when I was a kid, and said Hank Stram. Uh, had, had everybody over for breakfast on <laughs> the defensive line. And, like, it's a buck Buchanan ate, like, a dozen eggs, a pound of bacon, like, 12 flapjacks. <laughs> like, he was a huge man. <laughs> How big was that guy? I mean, oh, I don't even, I don't remember, but, yeah, he was a, he was a monster. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so what do you think the, uh, so I was listening to the Bears, many of you watching this stuff, they're trying to make the Bears relevant. It is, it is scary with the new coaching staff. The other the other day, I was I was I was almost laughing out loud in the car. They're talking about how the new coaching staff's first feel, a read of of Justin Fields, and they're going, he's spectacular in the quarterback room. I'm like, what what is that? <laughs> he's in there. Yeah, he's a leader in the quarterback room. There's two other idiots. It's like saying a horse the horse is he's the first guy to the hay in the barn. What, what does that do for anybody? I mean, but they're they're trying to make these guys relevant. When I don't know. How bad are they going to be this year, man? Do you think horrible? Um. Well, it's a good question. Yeah, I could see them being anywhere between you know five and twelve, or maybe they surprise some people and, and they go like nine and eight or something. But I don't I don't see the ceiling much higher than that this year. They're completely rebuilding, um, and so uh, the the new GM is going to put his stamp on it. But in the NFL, you can turn around pretty quickly. So even if they do have a, a bad year this year, they could be pretty relevant again next year but well, I, I don't see this year being a, a playoff team or anything but you're, you're adding six people via the draft and they got how many people they lost 12 they've lost a lot yeah, yeah a, they, they had a they had a huge departure we're gonna head off to break right, and i mean and again we go back to the the issue of your one guy being the savior I mean, you know justin fields is a fantastic athlete but he's you know that that's that's the comment chief you and i've made been and maddie too the level of athletic ability out there is stunning, and just being a good athlete is not going to get you. It's not going to get you anywhere. SP Peters up sixty three. Nazir's up twenty one. We're trying to get back a lot of this, the sell off we've had. We'll see if we hang in there. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Lord, Station Jackson. I'm Tom on the board. SP features up 62. Yeah, we're up today. Finally, God. NSA features up uh, 272. Um, so we're trying to make a run at the uh, big sellouts we've had uh, lately, just about all around the world here. But we're trying to bounce here today. Dow features up 292. Uh, individual stocks, McDonald's is up 486. They had earnings. Uh, revenue is increasing. Maybe I'll give you one one choice as to how they got the revenue up. Raising prices. Raising. Bing, ding, ding. Very good. See, Maddie's good at this. He's, he's learned. Learned very well. Over in Europe, we've got uh, DAX up 219, 1.6%. Uh, these guys were all been down most of the week, but now it's a pretty good bounce today. Footsie up 75, that's 1%. Cacaron up 107, that's another 1.7%. So, Footsie's lagging a little bit. The Cacaron and the, and the Dax are to the, off to the races. Same thing over in, uh, in, uh, well, not as, not as much in mainland China. Nikkei's up 461, 1.7%. Shanghai up 17.6%. These guys have got hammered. They had a 5% down day on Monday, 2% down day on Tuesday. So they're struggling to get back. Uh, they really get hit by these COVID shutdowns. Uh, Hang Seng up 329, 1.6%. All those guys are bouncing back more than, than mainland China. Yesterday, we managed to get a little bit of victory in the Dow, 61, S&P up 8, but the NASDAQ was down 1, so it was kind of an inside day yesterday. Uh, bonds, 10-year unchanged at 282. These are 10-year rates, not the bonds. A 10-year rate on the Bund, 0.883. That's up 2 basis points, Japan. A down one at point two three, and that's what one of the biggest moves you've seen if you're not a dollar watcher. 
dollar has been going to the moon against these other currencies, mainly against the yen, as the J- Japan Central Bank refuses to raise interest rates for some reason. Oil down 49 cents, but still over 100, 101.53. Brent down 72 cents, 104.60. Natural gas unchanged at 733, but 733. It's, uh, it's, those are huge numbers for natural gas. Arbob down a penny at 344. Uh, gold up a whole 90 cents, 1889. It was, it was 1998 a week ago on Monday. Uh, silver down 23 cents, 23.24. Copper down a penny, 444. And crypto is up eight, uh, Bitcoin's up 868. 39,655. Bitcoin's actually been hanging in there. You know, all the Bitcoin stocks, like Coinbase and everything, have gotten pummeled. Betty, what do you got for us, uh, Traffic Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. The uh, expressways are off to a pretty good start here on a Thursday morning. No issues coming in on the Edens or Kennedy. Eisenhower's looking good. Stevenson, some traffic building, but no accidents to report. Same for the Ryan I-57 and the Bishop Ford. Our only major concern is across the border in Indiana. Uh, the Indiana Toll Road, I-80 westbound between Klein and Calumet, is closed due to a crash. So traffic is being diverted at Klein and allowed back on at Calumet. So if you're heading uh, into Illinois from uh, northwest Indiana, uh, the Indiana Toll Road, road is going to be a major issue for you. Wrong way driver fatality. Yeah, not good. Everything else looking okay out there. Weather today, another uh, much colder than normal day, but warmer than yesterday. Uh, so I guess we're trending in the right direction. Uh, rain in the forecast later this morning, a high of 47. Right now it's overcast and 42 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 92 today. Right now it's clear and 66. In sports, the Bulls' season came to an end last night. Uh, they were even more shorthanded than they had been, and uh, it showed. They were blown out in Milwaukee. 116-100 to 100 was the final. Bucks take that first-round series four games to one, ending the Bulls' uh, season. It was the Bulls' first playoff appearance in five years. The game was not as close as the score would indicate. That's right. Cubs uh, beat the Braves 6-3 to three last night in ten innings. Cubs blew, Cubs blew a 3 nothing lead but then scored three in the top of the 10th to uh, double up the Braves and win that one. White Sox snapped their eight-game losing streak, uh, blowing out the Royals 7-3. to The game was originally supposed to be a night game, but it was so cold yesterday they moved it to a 1 o'clock start and got that in at least with some daylight to make it not quite as miserable. Uh, so good for the Sox snapping their losing streak. Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers 3-1. to in hockey, Blackhawks beat the Golden Knights 4-3 to in a shootout, and it was the Coyotes over the Stars 4-3 to in overtime. Given the uh, the state of the weather in these northern cities, if you just took the four cities of, uh, well, the four parks, Chicago, two parks, Detroit, and Cleveland, what percentage of the season ticket holders do you think have used their tickets so far? I mean, there's been hardly anyone at these games. I know, it's... The Cubs, when we had, when it was 80 degrees on Saturday, they had their full, the full house at Wrigley, and it was beautiful, and it looked great. Every other game, and it's been in the 40s, and, and God, sometimes even the upper 30s, it's just like, no one's there, and why would you? Well, on Cle- where, they were, where were they, the sacks yesterday? They were, uh, they were they They're were, at home in ca- well, against Kansas so City. How, the, how in God's name do you, what if you got a bunch of people come from the skybox? You can't just say, come in the afternoon. They didn't care, apparently, and there was about, like, no joke, there was probably 2,500 people there. So the ticket, they didn't lose the date. You had to use the ticket yesterday or you're out. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's special. 
That's special. Yeah, it was a seven I mean, o'clock I mean, I've, game. I've, the, the short answer is for for and, and I, I remember this debate in in nineteen sixty eight or sixty nine when we moved down from Winnipeg to to uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, and the Twins were playing in Met Stadium, and you know, in and it was a lot colder in nineteen sixty eight than it was now in April. And and my father just saying why why is this why are they not playing in a dome why do we not have a dome here for for these baseball games because it's nuts to have these guys standing out there freezing their tails off and the fans the fans can't show up I I don't I don't understand it and I don't understand why every new stadium that's being put up in in every place from from New York to Seattle across that section of the country. Is not is not covered. Well, you could use your head a little bit. The, the sacks open up. Well, they didn't really open up with the teams, but they had Seattle here only comes once. So okay, you can't call a game no matter how bad. And they had Tampa only comes once. Then they went to Cleveland or in the middle there somehow. I mean, could you make it any worse? Well, I yeah. the only way you can really solve it is if you start the season like May first. I mean, th- there's. You can play. They've been doing this thing now for the, the for the first week of the season. They try to have the northern teams play against the southern teams, or at least play indoors, like in Milwaukee or something like that, where they have the retractable roof, and and that that helps. But that gets you to April seventh. <laughs> it's just not. It's not. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't help that much. The fact is, the weather sucks in the in the upper Midwest in the upper Northeast until May. It just does. So I, they'll never do this, but they need to go to a 140 game season and start May first. Well, well, or they, they played them in the daytime; they have a fighting chance. I mean, it would help, and they do play more day games in the first month than they do later in the season. But the, what's the point of having the teams that only come here once being here in April? They shouldn't. Yeah, because I mean, there were the two of those games the Sox played against Seattle and Tampa. They would never have played if it was a regular team, right? It's is, it, is it easier to make up those? Those limited schedule games later on. No, that's what I'm saying. Games where you're playing everybody. I, I would think not, but the one night they played against, I think it was Tampa, Manny, uh, and Lou. I think they, Lou, the thing started in the rain and ended in there. They just, they just didn't. I guess they didn't have a, a, a date for a makeup anywhere. And it was like a 42 degree rain. Yeah, it wasn't like <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh. Well, the Cubs had one too. They played. Uh, which one? Would the, they they played against somebody last week that was it was the same team, Tampa. Yeah, Tampa's got to be like, why the hell are we in Chicago the first two? Yeah, weeks they, of the they season? went. A, they had a home series. They had a series against the Sox. They came across town and had a series against the Cubs. They were here for a week in this in this crap, Lou. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Toronto. Except they got I mean, a dome. Yeah, well, I guess they do have a dome. That's right. They can they can cover it up. But I mean, I I don't I don't understand it. It's it's you know it, it's just uh, counterintuitive and and I you know. Uh, this reinforces my feeling that the motto of Chicago sports teams ought to be global warming, bring it on. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm telling you, the weather in April here is worse than the weather in, like, January and February. Because in January and February, it's it's cold as hell, but you expect it to be cold. And it seems to be a lot more sunny. In April, it's cold as hell, and you expect it to be warmer. Because they tell you the average high right now is 64. We haven't sniffed 64 except for one day. Last Saturday, was yeah, it? last Saturday in the, in the last like four weeks, and, and and it's gray every day. So it's 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 depressing. It's cold. It's windy. It's wet, and uh, it's dark. 
and and you're like, what is going on? I'd I'd rather it be February and and 32 instead of 42, and at least sunny. And then, that's and that Chicago, that's every day. Chicago weather I remember, and all I can tell you is we've got what 300 days of sunshine here in Denver. That is the great thing about Denver is even when it's cold and nasty, you do the sun does come out every day. It, yeah. it it generally it generally does. We we've had a couple of we had a couple of stretches earlier where we had uh, two days in a row of cloudy weather, and I remember people walking around going, "What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lou, you got to tell us a little bit about what's going on in uh, Ukraine. I just saw this thing, and Merck Merck sold three point two billion dollars of its COVID oral antiviral treatment in the first quarter. Who's buying that? Does anybody you know anybody who's ever used that? No, all of that stuff is experimental use or emergency use authorization stuff. This is this is an all vaccine. No, it's an antiviral treatment. Oh, the antiviral treatments. Uh, well, I had I had a good friend get it, and he got put on Paxlovid. Paxlovid. Is that what it is? Is that what it said, is? Look it right up. I think lots of people are buying it because the again the disease or lots of medical facilities are buying it. The irony is, you know, we and we talked about this like almost two years ago. The irony is, why were we not focused on this kind of development of treatment in addition to the vaccine development when when the the disease was running amok? All yeah. we got from CDC. And, and FDA, well, FDA slow rolled all of the potential treatments, and all we got from from CDC was no, don't take that, no, don't take that, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, and and the focus on CDC was almost exclusively on vaccines. There was this the thing's called FDA, uh, and I don't understand why this thing's called Moinupiravir. M O I N U P I R A V I R. That's the new. Uh, well, some, I think <coughs> I, wanna, I don't want to miss you on the Ukraine stuff, uh, Lou. And uh, there's some other few things. I have questions. We got off on sports, but um, some of these. Pe- I, I think somewhere the, it's going to come. I know I get, I'm getting all this conservative stuff from my girlfriend and her pals. There's. I think there's issues with people who've got these vaccines uh, when it interfered with their. Own, with their own, uh, I mean, it's this guy in the, the Bulls now. It's the third time he's had it. This Levine. Okay, so so we we now know that the vaccines do not a stop you from getting infected, and b stop you from spreading it. They do seem to mitigate the the dangers of the disease, especially in vulnerable patients. But they also but they seem come to- with a host of side effects. Especially for younger patients and for women, especially. I also and think so, that if the timing so is bad now, given given the fact that the, the the nature of the disease has changed, we're not looking at this highly virulent alpha strain. It would seem to me that we should be focusing on treatment options. If you're going to get sick with this stuff, here's what you do to to deal with it. The antivirals are a, are a great idea. Again, I just I don't understand why this wasn't being pushed along with other sort of basic preventative and treatment measures that we knew about back in, you know, April and May of 2020. Uh, Fauci was a big uh, vaccine guy when it came to AIDS, and there's still not a vaccine yes, he, for it. Yes, he was. And he was with he was with anthrax, and he has been with with everything else. And, and the other the other thing, of course, is you can you can give people a card when you vaccinate them. 
you can't you can't give them anything to make sure that you're taking their medication. Yeah, well, all right. So what's so uh, that's from, from a societal control perspective and a public health control perspective, which is all he cares about. Vaccines are the way to go. All right. So what's going on over in uh, Ukraine? We have somebody who writes in and he he's worried we're going to give him just just enough weapons where they all get killed. Uh, let me speak. Let me speak frankly. That that basically is our strategy. You know, you heard you heard the sec- uh, Secretary of State, I think it was, in what I consider to be a rather foolish policy pronouncement, but it was absolutely deliberate. Say we are going to our goal is to greatly weaken the Russian military structure and establishment. Well, you know, if I'm a Ukrainian soldier sitting in a trench somewhere on the in the uh, eastern part of the country, I'm saying, what do you mean, we white man? Yeah, you know. The, the 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 people that are weakening the Soviet or Russian military is us, and and you're giving us the weapon systems to do it, but but we're the ones getting killed, we're the ones getting exhausted. I I think I think what you're looking at right now, it, it, what we may be be seeing, is something that looks like a prize fight in about the tenth or eleventh round. You know, both both sides are exhausted. And and just and wearing themselves down rapidly. The the anticipation is that that on May 9th, which is Victory in Europe Day, VE Day for the uh, for the Russian uh, the Russian state, that that on May 9th, Putin will he was hoping to announce a victory by May 9th. He's not going to be able to do that. So on May 9th, you know the, the tenor of the Russian uh, press and propaganda has changed. It is now no longer we are in there denazifying Ukraine. It is now we are fighting NATO. This is Russia against NATO. Russia against those Germans who, by the way, are not cooperating because they're they're really not doing very much. But it's it's Russia against NATO and its Nazi heritage. And so we are we are it's Russia against the world. The Russians, by the way, have, have always loved to put themselves into this kind of of position historically so at least in their own mind so so this this is perfectly consistent and the, the assumption will be that on on may 9th putin will they'll continue their pressure on eastern ukraine but putin will announce some kind of national mobilization or national call-up which is not an easy thing to do for a, a, a highly structured and effective military establishment much like many countries have in the west i mean we would we would be hard pressed to put something like that in place and give us and give results inside of six months. The, the question is whether the Russians will be able to do that and and how they're how they're going to do it. But on the flip side of it, you know, you they can wear as long as they're willing to throw equipment and people in there into the fight and and blockade Ukraine and and shut down its rail transport system and road transport system. They can grind Ukraine down. It may take them another, you know, a year or so, but they can gradually grind Ukraine's armed forces down to the point where where they're not going to be an effective fighting force. And remember, the Russians are systematically removing the population from Ukraine. Um, they've admitted they've admitted to relocating. That's a nice word. Let's say kidnapping. 
they've admitted to kidnapping over a million Ukrainian citizens and, and moving them back into Russia, and and among them something almost two hundred thousand children. So what are they doing with them in uh, Russia? What do you what do you, what do you do with them? You 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 stick them in camps or you you put them in depopulated Russian villages and you say here's your new life. Um, yeah, they, they, they've done this historically before, and, and again, this is not from from a Western perspective. The idea that you would do that is nuts. Well, they they shut but, off the gas to Poland and some who else yesterday or the day before. Uh, yeah, they turned the gas off to Hungary and Bulgaria. Oh, was Poland was one of them. I thought maybe not. Well, Poland Poland said that they they've now become independent of, of Russian uh, imports. Okay. Yeah, but but the, the rest of Europe, the rest of Europe is not, and the Russians continue to sell natural gas through their pipeline to uh, to the rest of Europe and shipping it out. But but from a Russian military perspective, they've they've now said, okay, we're not going to take Kiev. It's not going to be a fast war. We're now going to we're now going to move in and occupy the eastern parts of Ukraine, the Donbas coal region, and, and we're going to move our forces along the coast, try to take Odessa. Shut off the ability of the of, of the Ukraine of Ukraine as a country to ship anything out via the Black Sea, and will and will continue to destroy its infrastructure with long range missile and uh, artillery strikes. So so, you know, Putin again is taking. I'm, I'm, he's going to take what he can get, and and if he says, you know, we were going we were going to conquer Ukraine, well, that didn't go so well. Now we'll just occupy the eastern you know part of it. And we'll hold that. And any peace deal we sign will have to involve our, or have to acknowledge our occupation and holding of that of that territory. Which Zelensky, and I don't think the Ukrainian government will never accept, because because then the next move is the the Russians say, okay, well we've got this now, and we got that, we we, we consolidated our our efforts here. In another two years, we'll take another big chunk. And in two years after that, we'll take another big chunk. Well, if you're Ukraine, you get the horrible situation. Every time you fight these guys and shoot something back at them, you're shooting basically back at your own property. Are, are they are they planning on taking this into Russia at all? Um, there's some indication that they have, and and have attacked some some Russian uh, storage facilities and have engaged in sabotage in uh, you know in in in, in Russia proper. But they don't have the wherewithal, and we're not we're not going to give them the wherewithal. At least we're not going to give them the wherewithal. NATO, some NATO allies might to, to strike to strike in uh, you know in Russia. Yeah, I mean, if you, so that you, was the that was the big fight over those Mig twenty nines. I mean, I mean, we were we were all head up until I think somebody looked and said, you know, those things with unrefueled or, or un, non air refueled uh, range can hit Moscow and get back. And yeah. and that that would be a significant provocation for the Russians. Well, I mean, when you're beating up on somebody else, how do you you, you think you can make the rules, but you really can't? I, I'm I'm just saying when you got when you yeah. got nuclear weapons, you get to make some rules. Well, one of my one of our our listeners, Lou, wrote in and said that's why we better make absolutely sure that Iran doesn't ever get a nuclear weapon because if they do, they can do whatever they want. Uh, Chief, the lesson the lesson one of the lessons that comes out of this is if you're some regional power like Iran or Saudi Arabia or or Nigeria or South Africa is we got to have our own nukes. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't blame them in a second. I would too. 
Yeah, and so and so I think I think this sends a very clear message on nuclear proliferation. Not what we wanted to hear, but but that if you're if you're trying to avoid being gobbled up by China or or by uh, by Russia, you're you're better off having your own nuclear weapons because at least you've got some standoff capability. Well, you know, I'm no fan. I'm, I'm no fan of Iran, but they're surrounded by people with nuclear weapons. I mean, if if they were normal, if they were normal, which I don't think they necessarily are, you'd sit there. They'd sit there. Every, why are all these people telling us we can't have them when they all got them? Well, Iran's not no. Iran's neighbors. Uh, well, Pakistan's got. We think Pakistan's got. We think Pakistan weapons. does. We think India does. We think uh, Israel does. Well, Israel's not surrounding Iran. No, but I mean, uh, Tur- sort of. Turkey does. Turkey does not. Iraq does not. Syria doesn't. Um, yeah, the, but the Israelis. The, the nice thing about the Israelis is that that they you know they have not proved to be. Um, Crazy about acquiring territory or invading right. their neighbors. They just they just want everybody to stop, and that's not likely to happen. I'm afraid. Well, they keep they keep grabbing little bits and pieces, but not not a no. Uh, they haven't done any subtler expansions in ages. In a while, yeah. I mean, I mean, they they're. I think I think Israel geographically is 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 pretty stable. What they they and they are surrounded by hostile oh, God, maniacs yeah. who. Want them pushed into the sea? I went to one of those. But, eight. But no, the, the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians right now are are, are fighting you know, a, a standoff kind of, of battle as as best they can to try to deter what what, what the you know the next Russian move. But I think what you're going to see is is a Russian focus on the eastern part of the country and the southern part of the country, expanding and controlling as much territory as they can there. And then at some point coming back to to the West and saying, okay, we're ready to we're ready to negotiate peace right now, with the understanding that everything that we've managed to to get our hooks into is ours. What uh, is China going to take their entire economy down with this COVID thing? Did you did you look at the videos that I I referenced from Shanghai about those people committing suicide? Uh. I went through a little bit, and they were tough to take. It's it's it was horrific. I I think the Chinese. I, I don't understand the zero COVID focus that, that China has right now, but it appears that they are willing to tolerate things that no Western government would would ever contemplate. You know, the the mass suicides of people in their in their uh, suburbs. Uh, the the Complaints of starvation and illness because of the way they're delivering food, the mass execution, confiscation, and mass execution of pets. Um, it, it, it's unbelievable. Well, remember when this and whole thing it, started? It's all too believable. Well, this whole thing started. Uh, your, your your buddy Greg, or my buddy too, uh, was in a uh, Uber car with a with a guy from. Well, the driver was from the Wuhan province, and this is when. You know, even our idiots, uh, our news media. You know, I think if you Googled, I haven't done it in a while. So, if you Google how many COVID cases there were in China up to a few months ago, they'd say like eighty-five thousand. Well, this guy is in the Uber car with Greg, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm from that area. I still have family over there." He says, "If any, if eighty-five thousand people died in China, who'd care?" He said, "He goes the number. This is when it first started here. He goes, the number there has got to be in the millions already. They're, they're locking people up in their houses." And they can't come out, and the bodies are coming out the back door, and 
two weeks later, the other people come out the front door and go to work. He said, there's more crematoriums going 24-7 over there. They're hauling them in from other provinces. He goes, the idea that that they've only lost like 30,000 people, there's been more in the U.S., he goes, that's such fantasy, it's scary. Well, well, the estimates estimates that I saw um, initially were that they were undercounting their deaths somewhere between, you know, 30 and 40 times. Yeah. So, so we were we were estimating, you know, if if their death figures were a hundred thousand dead, the, the the actual number was probably closer to four million. That's that's and, unbelievable. Um, I, I think it may actually be higher than that. But but yeah, the the Chinese are going to be willing to do this, and 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 so that's going to have a that's going to have a supply chain hit. In addition, we've got a we've got a food production issue, not only with the production of basic stuff like fertilizer, which which our people are going to need, and propane, which we use to dry like something like seventy percent of the grain product yep. in this country. All of that stuff is getting impossibly expensive, and and then on on top of that, we've had a series of fires, and I don't want to sound like I'm a conspiracy idiot, but we've had something like fifteen or twenty major fires at large food production facilities. You know. Places that make things like Twinkies and processed cheese and stuff like that, and and that that might be something to talk about with your agriculture guy. Is 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 this is this a real thing? I don't know how many of these places typically burn up in a in a normal you know year. Well, the only way there's been a number of these places that have burned within the last two months. Well, we got a dash, but I'll tell you, it's probably the only way you can destroy a Twinkie. <laughs> so, someday I'll tell you my great cupcake story. It was in my truck a year and a half, and I found it when I sold it. Didn't have any green on it. Didn't have a bug on it. Didn't have any. No, no, no. It's that's one of the great. Uh, I think I think it's uh, Zombie Land where they. Oh, they're, I know. They're looking for stuff. S and P futures up fifty six. Nasdaq futures up two forty four. We're still up, but now we were up sixty five a minute ago. So we're leaking a little bit, but we're still up pretty good. Be right back, Mister Danjanitas. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly. Lord Oak Park Station Jackson. Tomorrow, Mr. Brown, we're on the board. SP Futures up 56. NASDAQ Futures up 243. Dan, how are you, buddy? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I, I assume you're long this morning? Um, I am. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> coming into this, coming into this, uh, what, what looks like it's going to be a good day. Yeah, I hope we don't. We pull the rug out of this one. It could be, it could be uh, not so good. Technically, I don't think I'm not a technical guy, but if uh, this rally fails, I'm not so sure that's so hot. Uh, let's, hope it do- let's hope it doesn't. Yeah, I mean the volatility is is really uh, picked up the last few weeks, and as it seems like the volatility is happening everywhere from the from the yield curve to uh, you know to the tech sector to the you know overall. Um, market here in the U.S. and, and actually globally as well. So, um, you know, the, obviously some of the issues that are still, that we're, that we're still dealing with and I think we're going to continue to deal, deal with it going to weigh heavy on the market. One thing that, um, that I did just to sort of, you know, take a little, you know, sort of a step back to where we are year to date and despite all this volatility, I mean, the NASDAQ's down about 20%, S&P's down about 12%, and the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index is down about 11%. So if you are an active manager and all your money is not in cash, you're looking pretty good like we are being down only about 2 or 3% year-to-day. Um, and I think, the, I think our uh, clients and I think people need to realize that. So if, if people are managing their own accounts and they're down 2 or 3%, you're doing good. I mean, you, you have to start looking at things on a relative basis, you know, relative to the index that you're performing against or relative to the, you know, the, um, you know, blended index, if you will, if you're partially in stocks and partially in bonds. But, but, um, but it's hard, yeah, it's hard to see positive returns. It's really hard to kind of find value in this market as well since we know rates are going higher. And, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of, uh, the market as a whole, I think we continue to have these headwinds um, of higher rates of global inflation, which is now becoming more apparent, not only here in the states but all around the world. And then the in the other, um, you know, the issue of fuel and gas is sort of stepping back in with Russia, you know, um, curtailing uh, gas to Poland and Bulgaria. I think concerns that it could be, you know, if Germany and Italy are next, then that could actually put some more pressure on Europe and the European economy. And then, uh, you know, I think in general the, the sentiment has shift, shifted. Uh, and then finally China, I mean, the, the lockdown, um, and I, I honestly can't say a whole lot for what's really going on there, but it's 
certainly not good for the global economy as, you know, fact they're still in lockdown and, and warehouses, um, you know, are not operating at full capacity. So uh, anything that's involved in infrastructure, um, we have a few names that we've talked about in the past, is getting hit. The supply chain issues are still there. Labor issues are still there. And although we're seeing, you know, the you know the talking heads you know saying that oh you know the the employment situation keeps improving there's clearly a mismatch in the labor market because there's still a lot of openings you look at certain industries like you know the airlines um, you look at certain local mom and pop businesses that are that are losing people and either having to go out of business as a result that's still happening and I think labor will continue to be an issue. Um, you would think now with some inflation that more people would be getting back to work, but I know a lot of business owners that are still struggling, including some of the companies that we own, with finding the right talent. So, so that issue becomes is is continuing to be a a, um, a big issue that is definitely having a negative impact. Uh, will not have a positive impact because again, in order to get that labor back, they may have to pay higher wages or they are paying higher wages and higher wages are, not, are again adding to inflation. They're stickier. They're the stickiest um, part of inflation. So once rate, labor rates go up, that is not going to be good for uh, the economy as a whole, the U.S. economy. Um, we do, however, see uh, you know where we see in value, especially on the income side, which is what we focus on, is high yield. Looks attractive here. The, the you know the spread over Treasuries is about 375 basis points. That's almost 100 basis points wider than where we were a year ago. Yet the default rate, it's not really looking at you know any of these names going into default. It's really um, it's, it's it's actually an attractive yield. So for rates to have gone up, and then on top of that, you're getting another 375. Problem is trying to find names. We are able to do that because we're a larger player, and this is my background. You know, we've talked about a name called Amtrust that we still own, and that's still hanging in there. Um, it's a bond that matures in August of next year, and you're getting six percent. Um, you're getting six and an eighth coupon, but if you can buy it close to par, um, you're getting about six percent, and it's a company that's in the um, property and casualty insurance business. It's not going anywhere. Um, those are like the kind of bonds that offer a lot of yield in an environment where it's really hard to find yield. Um, and real estate, REITs, you know, selectively REITs look attractive. Um, you know, the one that everyone knows, VNQ, is actually held up pretty nicely in this, in this environment. Um, the one that we talk about that we like is Global Self Storage, ticker symbol SELF. SELF, and that's the public storage facilities, and that one has, um, you know, surprise to the upside. You know, their occupancy rates are um, greater than 90% now, 94%, I think, and it's a well-run business. Um, I think that's a very good sector of the market to be involved in. And another name that we've mentioned a few times is Alico, uh, ticker symbol ALCO. Uh, they own a lot of land, and they do, uh, and they own orange groves here in Florida. But their land business is doing very well because they're selling off land at you know um, prices that are about double what they were would have seen a couple of years ago. So, so real estate, you know, is steady eddy does you know throw off some yield. Um, utilities not throwing off quite as much yield, but offering some stability in here. 
Um, the preferreds that we've mentioned in the past, um, the one I'll point out is uh, the Blue Knight, BKEPP. Uh, they were just bought out um, by um, basically their parent, which is Erdogan, um, but they had a nice four-point pop in the price um, of the of the four um, percent pop, pop in the price of the preferred. So the preferred that we started buying at three or four is now about nine, and a nice solid company, well run. Um, you know they do asphalt storage, so even if things are slow in the construction industry, they're getting paid because they get paid as long as that asphalt is being stored in the facility. So. Um, and then, you know, again, we've talked about floating rates being a good place to be as, as interest rates go higher. Uh, I know we have CPI coming out this morning um, that people are paying very close attention to any inflation-related numbers right now. So there could be some, as you're saying, you know, hopefully this rally continues. They're hoping for, you know, if we have decent numbers, um, then, then it will. Um, but if the CPI number comes out and, you know, it, it's, it's prizes to the downside, um, then, you know, that could, that could turn the market. And then, of course, the Fed next week, finally, <laughs> um, we're going to see, um, I'm pretty sure we're going to see the 50 basis point increase. If it was going to be higher, I think we would have already seen an interim rate increase. In other words, um, they could they could have an, call an interim meeting if they think things are that um you know, that need to be done right away. So that's an option that they have, and they have not chosen to use that option. They've, they've uh, made us wait, or I should say they've made, they've, they've made the uh, investing public wait. Um, so I'm thinking they're just going to um, there'll probably be additional hikes after that. There'll need to be additional hikes after that because we're just basically um, breaking even with uh, real rates at this point. And, and so anticipate rates going higher, especially on the short end, um, going forward. And, uh, but also don't be too, uh, I would say keep, keep your, uh, your heads cool with expecting a whole lot from the Fed because they seem to be so concerned about not getting it right that I already think they haven't gotten it right. Well, they, um, they're doing this long, but I think there's, any, any continued delays in here, um, I don't think will be good for the market. They, their definition of not getting it right based on the 2018 uh, yes. revision, revisionist history is that they caused the market to go down. That's not. Yeah, and it's interesting that the market is doing its own thing long in advance of this, you know, especially if you look at the, you know, if you look at the yield curve and you look at, say, two year, five year, ten year rates, you know, already Going up, although the, although the, you know the rate hike is on the short end, it's the it's the shortest um, rate. It's the market is already anticipating, and we need this um, because of where inflation is right now. It's it's you know we need we need a slowing, um, you know we need a balance, if you will, because that's what economics is all about. So, um, but yeah, it's just this has just been too slow, and yeah. and um, that's why I don't expect any kind of surprise. Oh, all of a sudden they're coming out with seventy five or hundred. No. I, I don't think that'll happen. They may be, they may be talked that there's another 20, you know, another 50 coming, but, um, you know, at this point they're going off the numbers. Unfortunately, a lot of the numbers they're looking at are old, <clears throat> and we know now from looking at earnings that are coming out, they're a mixed bag. So it seems like one day you've got a few companies that are reporting strong earnings, but even Facebook, uh, Meta coming out yesterday, I mean, they're, 
you know, the, the stock performed really well um, once the earnings were announced, but the, they actually, you know, disappointed. They actually, you know, didn't meet expectations. And I know what people were surprised about is that the subscriber numbers have increased, but the, you know, from a business point of view, to have had that large an increase um, in, you know, it was up what almost twenty percent or tw- more than twenty percent um, from yesterday and this morning. Um, to have had that large of an increase and not have beaten expectations is is sort of interesting. So, and other companies, obviously like Netflix, have, you know, disappointing, not not surprising. But I think a lot of these companies have gotten overheated, overvalued. Um, and as more and more earnings come out, I think it's going to be a mixed bag. I think we're going to see some that have held in well, and you know some of the manufacturing companies that were able to, to pass costs along to the consumer, and they're not going to look quite as bad. And then we're going to see others that have been challenged with um, supply chain issues and um, are going to disappoint. So I think this is a, t- a time period for for people being more to be more realistic about what's going on out there. And not to be saying, hey, last quarter or last year we did this, but actually saying, what are we going to be doing next quarter or next year um, based on what's happening in today's environment? How can people that are less than 40 years old be be realistic on something they've never seen before? Yeah, and I agree I agree 100% with you on that. I, I, I think that's a, a – people who have not seen – a correction in the market it's it's a really tough um it's a tough call uh i know people who were all in cash um i have a good buddy who's a international uh uh equity manager uh, by background has been in the business as long as i have and he's moved almost entirely to cash because he just doesn't see the opportunities or or the risk return um you know possibilities in the global markets you know especially in china um so you you know there's a certain point where there's risk on, but but today's not that point. Right well, now is not that point. And if you're a younger person in the market, you know if the money if your money's tied up in your your um, 401k, make sure you have good long term names in that. You know not just looking for the next quick you know tech company that comes in and out, but looking for you know have a good part of your portfolio balanced with with names that are uh, more steady eddies that are. You know, good dividend have pay good dividends um, are going to be around ten years from now, um, and you know, diversify by sector. You know, be very careful about not putting all your money into into tech or into one specific part of tech. Dan, I think um, some of the people you talk to are more. Uh, well, we don't normally get these clients, uh, nor, nor to be perfectly blunt, do I really want them. But I'll, I'll, I'll talk to a person a week that if you talk about. Uh, any kind of protection with bettering the market return without the volatility and take the volatility out of it and blah, blah, blah. And you say the market's down, you know, 20% this year. And, you know, and even in the one that's down the most, the QQQs were down, you know, percent and a half or something. That only happened in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, because right now my biggest concern is the price of insurance is too high. I mean, I, I can't keep up with the price these puts are. Whatever they're to the right. moon. You you start you start insuring yourself at a thirty vix. I mean that that's a big number to try and come back from. I mean it's the the world is telling you that there's a there's a massive amount of risk out there, and if you want to stay in and pay for it, you know it's going to cost. Right. But I mean there's people. I mean, if they if they don't think that you you got a plan, you got a stock, you got whatever it is, it's not going to get them you know twenty five percent in a year. They don't want to talk to you. And it's still. Right. 
And I, oh boy, it's like, what, if, if, first of all, if I can yeah, do that, no, I, I, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I, 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 and I'm, I'm hearing the same thing. It's, it's that, you know, you know, I've had one or two clients call and just say, you know, um, you know, we know we're, we're, you know, we're happy with the performance and we know that this is fine, but, you know, still want that extra juice. We still, we still want like what we've been getting the last few years. We want to be able to put money in a name and get 25 to 30%. And I said, this is probably going to be one of the hardest environments to do that. And your timing is going to have to be precise. So having that, you know, like your your approach, having having some hedges, having some puts uh, in your portfolio is, is really good. This is a really good time for that. And the performance is, you know, protecting on the downside is so important in this market because preservation of capital is so important. And I think what sometimes people miss is that if you lose ten percent in your account, you have to make back more than ten percent to break even. Without a doubt, back yeah. eleven or twelve. So it's not a, you know, it's not an even, um, you know, you lose 10, you just gain back 10. It doesn't work like that. You lose 10, you get to gain 11 or 12. So, so not, you know, being able to protect capital and preserve capital is really important at any age and at any level in the market. And so being able to have, realize that this is a risk off environment that we're in, that the riskier names, you know, there might be one here or there, but it's going to be, you're going to be chasing and you're going to have to take quite a few losses if you're going to say buy 10 names that you think might have um, a chance for uh, and, and I, I had one client do that recently that just said I'm, I'm going to take a shot at it and I want to buy you know I want to buy some names that I think have some upside and you know a couple of them were Chinese companies and I just said I'm not going to take responsibility and sure enough one of them was down 50% last week um, and, and it's not a name that we hold in this portfolio but it's you know and it's a hard lesson to learn but um, I think you have to be very careful in this environment that 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 can happen. Um, so it's uh, well, Dan. I was shocked last a little week. Money and go to the casino. Yeah, I, I was shocked last week when I heard. Uh, I mean, we've seen these mortgage rates. We had Nancy on on Monday, and she's kept us up to date on this. And uh, they've gone really from three three seven four a few months ago yeah. to five 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 seven. And I w- I was stunned when I read the amount of people that are opting for. Uh, floating interest rate mortgages, yeah. thinking it's going to right was, back down to four. What if it goes to eight? I was wondering that if if that would happen, just because um, I know a few people who are in the process of buying new homes here, and because construction is, it's you know it slowed down a little bit. I mean, it's still it's, it's still booming down here with construction, but it has it has slowed down, or it's taken a little longer. And as a result, people haven't been able to lock in their rates and. They're actually asking me. I have two different people that ask me that, you know, hey, do you think um, I should consider a, a variable rate mortgage? And I'm like, you know, your rates are going to go high. <laughs> that I can promise you. So that's well, going to be, you know, you're going to be paying a lot more a year from now than. Um, well, I got a call this morning. Got a call this morning from a guy on the way in, and his his parents. He's a, I work with him one of the other places, and he his parents just sold their house, and now the people who bought it came back and said, we're out. Can't get the mortgage worth the rate we thought. Uh, couldn't lock in. Yeah. So the parents are. Hey, uh, I don't know if you had, if if you if had enough uh, horrible time on your hands. I, I did go through as as hard as they make it happen, and you wonder what the Fed's trying to do with the balance sheet and everything. I actually the the the, the numbers for March just came out uh, yesterday, which is so obscene to me that they're not giving us weekly like they used to. If you look at uh, February and March growth in the money supply. Average of two months, 
Uh, guess what we're down to? I, I, I didn't see it. I we're down to like four percent. Okay. From from thirteen from yeah. from the two years before was like nineteen. Uh, so I'm I'm going to stand by my my comment that if we actually looked at the month to month inflation numbers, we may have already peaked, but peaked at like sixteen, not their number eight, and we because. If they're actually going to continue to do this now, now you and I know, Dan, that uh, when you just say to the Fed, all I want you to do is maintain money supply growth at three percent, because that's what the growth rate is, or the best we can do. And if we have one percent inflation, we'll deal with it. Then you and I know that that's a really tough job, because it it, it sounds easy, but it's not. Because in this country, uh, and maybe a couple others, you can create money. Every bank can create money. Every person can damn near create money. Uh, by Because if you put money in a bank and they lend it to somebody else, guess what? Now you've just made money because now both people have money in the bank, right? So so the Fed, the Fed having to actually control that is a really tough job. So, But if they actually control this number, if they're really serious about 3.5%, 4% a month, that's going to be a shock herd. That's why the dollar is going to the moon, right? Right. But but it's also it's why, you know, inflation will start to come down a little bit. But but I, I think the damage, Dan, is is so far been done. Yes. That even if we even if we you know, our this this month the CPI is uh you know, one point two and then it drops down to one and drops to point nine, which I, I actually think is looks to me like is gonna happen. That means we have two or three years of ten percent number. And nobody is going to have a thirty percent raise in their in their wages over that same period right. of time. I mean, we're we're eviscerating people. I mean, just the. I mean, I can't. I mean, I, I as you know, I like to go out and meet some people a lot. For God's sake, Dan, I'm going to places. I'm going to the corner bar and three glasses of wine are forty five bucks with a tip. I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's at a yeah, point where no. it's all a point where yeah. I'll stay home and, and you know and, and, and drink iced tea. I mean, I, I mean, what, what are we doing here? I mean, we're not even, we're not, plus I wanted to ask you, you were the first guy who brought up to me, that's why um, you're, you're, you're saddled with this. When you talk about everybody still looking for people for work, are they really looking for people, or are they looking for people at the old numbers they used to pay? Some of it is pay, you're exactly right, yeah. I mean, I could, I've got to dug in a little bit more to find out, what, you know, where the issues are. Some of it is pay, that they're trying to find people still cheaper. You're talking about the very, you know, you're talking about like cashiers and, you know, at the, at the grocery store and that, that sort of thing. They are actually paying more and they are getting people because they are paying more. And they're getting people that are moving, say, from Walmart to Publix to, right. to Target. And so they, they have kind of figured it out that I, we're not seeing as much of a problem on, on that end. If you're talking about certain industries like transportation, like truckers, like uh, pilots, um, they're having trouble because um, pilots are wanting a little bit more. Pilots used to get paid quite a bit more pre-9-11, you know, and, and the whole restriction in the industry because I was actually involved in, when I worked for the Airline Pilots Association, I um, was there during that time, but but still they pay a pretty decent wage. I mean, they're paying close to 200 for for pilots. They're actually trying to improve some of the pilot programs. They are truly suffering from not being able to get talent. Some of it's a demographic thing because of the aging of the baby boomers and pilots being required to retire at age 65. But, but I think also some of it is just the, the, the you know the poor labor conditions, if you will, in the airline industry as a whole. 
and that's I think that's transitional. That will hopefully um, improve. But I I still know people in small businesses that are having trouble, and I think what they're getting cut right. So they're they're having to pay additional more in their costs of running their business, and now they you know suddenly lose a guy or two, and they need to you know it's hard for them to think about that new person coming in getting paid more. So, so there. I, I think depending on where you are in the spectrum, there's a, you know, there's somewhat of a mismatch of of uh, wages, and I think that's going to change at some point. And it's when that changes that we're going to see. I think things are going to become a lot more clear yeah, to I, us. Yeah, I think as it's everywhere. Direction of you know these businesses, whether it be a smaller business or a, you know a a, a, a larger company that we that we um, look at. So. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree, and I agree with you. Interesting, um, kind of, I think that sort of to sum up both things, I was talking with my niece last night who had, had taken a trip with her family, um, and they were coming back, and interesting, she's a, she's a lawyer, really not in the investment business at all, and she was talking about how they got stuck at an airport in the Caribbean for five hours, and they had to wait for their flight. Well, you know, she says 15 bucks for a beer at the, yeah. at the uh, just what were we gonna do? She says, you know, that was, there wasn't much that you could do, so I think you're hitting it right on the head that it's, you know, you, you know, you, you could be in sort of the worst of all worlds and be in that situation where you're you're being forced to pay the high wages, and then you're also being, in, not, I, I, I don't like to use the word victim, but you're also being compromised by the fact that the the airline doesn't have enough staff to keep things going. So, um, but I think things are looking, you know, definitely looking better in other parts of the economy. But I will say the higher prices will impact people, and they'll impact them at different levels. And there will be a slowdown. And although I agree with you, um, you know, that I don't know if we've, in terms of acceleration of inflation, I think that is is coming down. But I still think we are going to see. Oh, uh, I'm with you there. Growth in inflation, if I that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, every single week, you know, looking at store, you know, prices in stores, you know, things are still. Going up, looking at services, the things are still going up. So I, I, uh, you and I are just talking about two different ways to calculate it. And I, uh, I have, a, I have also a family, quick family member story. Uh, she's a teacher, and one of the teachers in her, she said they signed a contract maybe two years ago, and they basically, on her mind, uh, and she's pretty bright, so they buffaloed the young teachers into signing this contract that wasn't the best, right? So okay, and uh, this is in Chicago, and. Uh, so they just said one of their best teachers is leaving. And said, at the end of the year, I'm out of here. And I said, what do you mean? Don't you like it here? And he goes, I love it here. But the district over there is paying 10% more. i got to feed my family. It's not a question of loving me, loving the place. I mean, you guys, we, we got I remember when I was at uh, at Pullman in the midst of the, the inflation, and, and we were given the people, we weren't given, they had negotiated, the factory workers got a cost-of-living increase. And I was, whatever the guys are that are above factory levels, the non-exempt or exempt, wherever the hell I was. So they gave me their maximum raise of 5%. And I go, last year inflation was 12. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think not being able to keep up with inflation, that's that's, that's pretty clear. That's that's going to be an issue. I mean, in, the, in those two forces, if you will, kind of collide at some point. You know, the the the, the need to, to get talent and to get people working so that you can, you know, you can grow your business. And then at the same time, you know, being able to pay them enough because you're being forced out. You're, 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 you have less money because you're paying, paying other costs. Well, you know, we got a, we got a dash here. Damn what? Social Security gave what? A 3% raise this year and we're going to have 12% inflation. Thanks for, thanks right. for nothing. 
Yeah, exactly. Take care of yourself, but hey, uh, yeah, you those names coming at us. Uh, S&P futures down forty six. I'm sorry, up forty six. So used to saying down, uh, up forty six. Nasdaq futures up two hundred two. Uh, that's good, but down about a third for it was a bit ago. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Uh, oh, well, okay, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. He's Mr. Brett Weber on the board. SB Futures up 49. NASDAQ Futures up 220. Matty, we don't like being right when these numbers are like this, do we? You and I both thought, and I think Mr. Flanagan would concur, that the first quarter was nowhere near as good as people, uh, the people on TV, oh, God, you can't, the economy's great. These come out a minus 1.4% real GDP coming out for the first quarter as opposed to a expectation of uh, 1%. I'm going to say that's fairly shocking. Um, I, yeah. I, I did not really expect that. Market hasn't reacted all that much um, because there will be a bunch more revisions. But uh, I haven't not seen the deflator yet, what they use for their uh, their uh, inflation deflator. But I, I didn't think we were doing that well in the first quarter. I, mean, I, I, I never did. And everybody else claims uh, we were doing all this. Uh, U.S. economic growth rate unexpectedly declined the first quarter by 1.4%. Uh, Ouch. Uh, Dow futures up 266. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 189. It's 1.3%. It's a little lower than it was earlier. 
Puts you up 64.9%. Kek around up 65. That's a full 1%. They were all a little higher the first time we went through this. Asia mixed, eh, not really a mixed bag, but they're all up. BK up 461, 1.7%. These guys have been up, down, up, down all over the place. Shanghai up 17.6%. Again, we had 5% down there on Monday, 2% on Tuesday. Mainland China is still doing really poorly with this COVID stuff. Uh, Hang Seng up 329, 1.6%. Yesterday, inside day, like I said earlier, Dow Jones up 61, S&P up 8, uh, NASDAQ down a whole 1. 1, you can call that unchanged. Uh, bonds up 2 basis points now, 2.84. Up, one, up 6 basis points, 0.87. And Japan unchanged at 0.24. Oil. Uh, now it's down 40, well it was down 49 cents, but still over 100, 101.53, Brent down 70 cents, 104.62, natural gas down 14 cents, but get the whole number here, 719, way over 17, our Bob down 1 cent to 344, we've got gold, uh, down 450 to 1884, just whack gold this week with the dollar strong as it is, silver down 48 cents, 22.99, so much of that 23.5 to 25 range there is, it's way below, it's way below that range now. Copper down three cents, uh, 441. And we've got Bitcoin up 910 now to 39,696. Bitcoin surprisingly hanging in there with a lot of stuff around it falling, but it's, it's been pretty stout. Betty, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a couple of crashes to report. First on the Tri-State southbound just before I-290. Uh, there's an accident causing stop and go traffic there on the 294 southbound Tri-State. Uh, so avoid that area if you can. And then if you're coming in inbound on the Stevenson, uh, you'll run into a slowdown as you approach Cicero because we have an accident that's now been moved to the ramp uh, right at the Cicero exit there on the uh, inbound Stevenson. And that has uh, Stevenson pretty backed up as well. So traffic starting to build throughout the area, but those are the couple of crashes to note. Uh, but uh, looks like travel times are uh, certainly building steadily. Weather today, another uh, cold, miserable day uh, with rain in the forecast later this morning. A high of 47, so that's a bit warmer than yesterday, but still about 17 degrees below normal. Right now it's overcast and 42 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 92 today. Right now it's clear and 67. In sports, the bowl season is over. They lost to the Bucks last night, 116-100, to and dropped that series four games to one. In baseball, Cubs beat the Braves 6-3 in 10 innings. Sox snapped their eight-game losing streak, uh, beating the Royals 7-3. Diamondbacks topped the Dodgers 3-1. And in hockey, Blackhawks uh, over the Golden Knights 4-3 in a shootout. Coyotes beat the Stars 4-3 in overtime. Chief. Uh, Mr. Flanagan, how are you? I'm fine, Tom. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm going to have to, since I don't get too big of a dose of Maddie Weber these days, and I, I miss him. By the way, Maddie, I'm seeing this thing here about over-parenting. Are you giving your child too much praise already in, do- <laughs> in doing her homework for her? Well, uh, she's three months old today, actually. Oh, good for her. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. But, uh, yeah, so no homework yet. Uh, thank God. But, uh, no, I wouldn't say we are, although uh, she lays there and just smiles at you, so it's hard not to praise her a little bit. Oh, I know. God. Well, I've seen pictures. I haven't seen her yet. She's adorable. What do you think she looks more like, you or, you or Joe? I don't know. It. Uh, I don't really see either of us, but I, I'm, I, I don't think it's when it's your kid, it's probably hard to tell. But other people, it depends on who you talk to. Some say she looks more like me, some more like Joe. But, um, but she is cute, and she started daycare this week, and that was a lot harder on her mom than it was on her. Oh, well, but neither, yeah. neither you nor Joe, for those that have never met either one of them, both Maddie and his wife are are very attractive people, but neither one of you has a, uh, 
shall we say, an, an unusual piece. Like nobody has a big nose or big ear. I mean, there's nothing that would, <laughs> there's nothing that you would really pick out and say that's a, that's Jill's nose because she's got a big honker. Right? Like that. Right. I mean, both of you don't have a whole lot of crazy features, so it would be pretty hard for to, to say who she looks like. Yeah. It, in some, in it, when I'm looking at her, yeah, I can't tell. But in some photographs, you'll you'll see. The weird thing is, is you don't see yourself, but you'll see like your relatives, like. Sometimes yeah. I'll see like my brother in her or something, or, or I'll see uh, like my grandfather or something when she smiles a certain way. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, but, but if you got a big honker, you never do. It's your dad that has a big honker, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to ask you a little bit since we have it on, on basketball. The Bulls were so outmanned. I'm not saying you ever have made a bet. I would never accuse you of that. But I'm going to say last Friday night, out of all the years I've ever seen sports betting, that was the biggest sucker bet I've ever seen. How could the Bulls have been favored? I don't think they were favored Friday night, but I, I think I, I think somebody somebody guys in the bar told me they were three point favorites. No, I think they were three point dogs. Oh, okay. Well, even that, even that, yeah. So <laughs> early in the games one and two, I think they were between ten and twelve point underdogs. Right. Then they won. They game one they actually played tough, could have won. Game two they win, and so then when it came back home, they were just three point dogs on on um, Friday. They get smoked by thirty. Then on Sunday, which I actually went to the Sunday game, it was a noon game, and it was uh, a lot of fun until until they got blown out. But uh, they, I think they were five point dogs on Sunday, uh, and then they get blown out. And then last night they were twelve point dogs again. The, but the big again. reason was is that one they played the Bucks tough both games one and two, and then one game two, and then the Bucks second best player was out, got hurt, and and was going to be out. So people thought. You know the Bulls will at least compete at home, and uh, you're right. It turned out to be a big time sucker bet because they got smoked in both games. Why? Well, uh, two questions from my, my basketball. We we used to have a, a team on the south side, but all these other guys from the trading floor, and they had a really really good team. And then uh, they had Tom Tracy played for DePaul. They had a couple other guys that played for others, and then there was us. I was halfway decent. This other guy on our team was pretty good. The rest of us were, were just kind of mopes. So they, they kill us the first game. And one of the guys was Bob Giannone, nice guy. He was not the world's best basketball player, but he had a great outside shot. And he killed us the first game because we concentrated on the other guys. They'd sort of ball out and he'd put it in. So the next game in the playoffs, nonetheless, one guy on my team says to my brother, who's pretty aggressive, not the world's best basketball player, but good athlete, he says, I don't care how bad we get beat. That guy can't score. I want you to stay out him no matter what. <laughs> and wh- why didn't the Bulls do the same thing with that Allen guy? The guy must have taken t- 15 threes, and there wasn't anybody with eight feet of them on, on half of them. It was pretty remarkable. Yeah, the the fact that uh, Giannis could just dribble into the lane at will, draw three or four guys, and then just pick and choose who he wanted to pass to because there was four guys wide open in the perimeter yeah. by design. And whoever he passed to made the shot. And Grayson Allen hit five threes on Friday and hit five threes on Sunday. Bobby Portis, former bowl, hit a bunch of outside shots. Well, you're in the other room, and you're you're closer to me than his defender was half the time. Oh yeah, and it, it, the the Bucks just had they like I said, it was all by design. Uh, Giannis, go get the ball. If they're not going to collapse on you, then take it to the hole. But when they do collapse on you, kick it out and trust trust your teammates. And he did, and they came through. Whereas the Bulls don't have any outside shooting at all. And so when the Bucks clamp down on DeRozan and Levine trying to do something inside and they kick it out, it's Clank City. The Bulls, yeah. the Bulls uh, shot a franchise record 49 threes last night. And uh, what did they make? 10? I think Bulls? they made 11. 
That's um, unbelievable. So uh, I can do that math pretty quickly. It's it's uh, about what twenty two, twenty three percent. Well, the other day they didn't go to the did they, did they even go to the free throw line in the first half? Yeah, I mean they they're they the Bucks are the defending champs for a reason. They have the best player in the world. They have a good coach, and they have a, a well put together roster that plays really good defense. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. And that has a bunch of shooters around Giannis, and and that's why they won the title last year, and that's why they're probably odds-on favorites to win it this year, or at least win the East. Well, the guys, uh, real quick, we'll, we'll shift to something else here, but the Bulls are, are physically undermatched. Every one of these, every one of these teams, and uh, Giannis is special, but still, they don't have enough beef for the other. Why do they? Why why do they let that guy Tice go? He's on. He's playing terrific for Boston. Yeah, I mean they they revamped the roster. A lot of it has to do with salary cap and and you know what what they want to do. They the fact is is this this group came in, cleaned house last year and then in the second year took a team that had hadn't even sniffed the playoffs in 5 years and got them, you know, to the top of the Eastern Conference before all the injuries and then they fell back down to like the 6th seed, but but still a huge step forward. And now they have uh, decisions to make. Are they going to give Zach Levine the big contract that he wants? Uh, what are they going to do in the draft this year? Uh, so on and so forth. But Patrick Williams uh, looked really good the last few nights, and he's 20 years old, and they, they like him. Um, I think Caruso, when healthy, was a really good add. Obviously, DeRozan and Levine were really good. Vucevic, I think, was kind of disappointing. He, he wants to be a power forward. They got him playing center. Yeah, and and he shoots, he shoots, you know, seven, eight threes a game and makes like one or two. And it's like there's a reason you're wide open, big fella. Yeah, <laughs> like they're they're let they're giving you that shot. And uh, at some point, he's got to stop shooting that and and get inside where he's much more effective. But um, but yeah, I really like the steps they took this year. And uh, when they get Lonzo Ball back, which was a huge loss. Then uh, I think they're going to be right there as a top four team in the East again, and, and they, we'll see what Patrick Williams. They're, turns out, they're into. totally outsized. They didn't, they didn't get an offensive rebound like the first thirty minutes the other night. Yeah, they need an athletic big or two, um, th- and that's going to be the big focus this offseason. And they need more outside shooting. They, you can't keep passing out to guys that that can't make threes when the defense is is collapsing on your inside game. You have to have guys that can make them pay for that. Well, they don't have a Kerr. They don't have a. A Canaton, they don't have a... A Kyle Korver. Yeah, yeah, they don't have any of those guys. Yeah, B.J. Armstrong, anybody that could just stand on the perimeter and when Michael Jordan or whomever gets triple teamed, kicks out and makes him pay. A Paxson. The, uh, well, Jan, what do you... Uh, you listen to some of the stuff we talked about earlier. We've been kind of all over the place today, but I'm also a little more sports than Smitty here because we kind of we kind of lose it when he's that. But uh, that's all right. I love, I love talking to Smitty about sports, and I think a lot of listeners like hearing him. So what do, what do you make of this, this GDP number and... And uh, I, I can't get. I was going to ask you, what is with all these people on adjustable rates mortgages when they just they just cross five percent? Are they out of their mind? Well, at the first, you know, we'll take the second one first. I think um, they are. I think the initial rate on an adjustable now is about four point six or four point five or something. And I have to confirm this with Nancy. I think you're Audrey. right. But they are initially more attractive and. Um, easier to qualify for than a fixed rate, which it you know that shows in a sense just how the, the market for adjustables has retreated over the years. And wh- when they were the only game in town, people didn't have you know much to say about it. And when you had you know twelve, sixteen percent interest rates, um, the lenders wanted them, and the buyers didn't have any bargaining power whatsoever. 
but the fixed rates have become more standard as you know interest rates have stabilized and i think you know an adjustable for me it was was never a good idea especially in a volatile economic environment but it shows now that it's the only game in town for people who, who are already priced out of the market by the fixed rate mortgages and i think you know the possibility that these people will get bitten really bad at some point um, those chances are pretty high because when these things reset and they all have different formulas for the timing and so on but um, you're likely to be in a position where you can no longer afford your house and of course that's just what happened with adjustables and equity loans and everything else where when the property ended up being you know pretty much underwater and you had skyrocketing interest rates it was a lose-lose situation for the owner uh, I was I, I think people are pretty de- desperate now and it, it, the example you gave of the person who had to back out of that deal because you know their mortgage contingency you know kicked in for them they couldn't qualify for the loan at the, at the interest rate they could afford um, there's a lot of that and if people really need a house and are willing to gamble on how well they'll be able to afford it in five or six years they will be takers but I foresee tough times for those people Man, you uh, missed it the other day unless you were digging through I actually did a calculation last weekend which I used to be able to do in my head now of course I gotta use a calculator but um, if you have a $240,000 mortgage that you're trying to get at 3.7% your rate's 1100 bucks, and if the rate goes to 5.7, which it pretty much is right now, this you can only do 190 to get you to save 1100 bucks. It's like a $50,000 difference in the price of a house in like the last three months. And I, I don't think that that knowledge is filtered through to the public at all yet, John. I mean, I no, no, I mean, uh, and uh, I, you know, it's just because I was a victim of victim. Uh, we were so when when Robin was my partner, we were doing some. Uh, remodeling right so we had done a couple of places before and we had gotten a mortgage and had to pay you know the fees and all the other crap that went with it uh so the next time we had you know we had a little more money and uh you know not together or anything but Robin was also assistant assistant treasurer at pullman so we get we get a bridge loan at a continental bank which was dying to get more pullman's business right which you know wasn't like she was treasurer or anything but anyway we get this bridge loan it was eight and a half percent I'm going to say in November, when I finally finished re- remodeling the place and we sold it in May, I think we were 14. Yikes. It was in like seven months, six months. I mean, I'm like, Jan, all the profit that we could have made or should have made on the place because I came in right at budget and I actually sold it sort of right where I thought we would. We didn't make a dime. I was never, I was never so happy to, as they say on the trading floor, scratch a trade in my life. Because <laughs> I, I was on and my you credit. Were luckier than a lot of. Oh God, yeah. Oh, if it had been another five months, thing. I mean, I, I, you know, fourteen percent is a real number in a place that's a couple hundred grand for God's sake. Well, it can mean the, the collapse of your domestic economy. Yeah. Um, really, I mean, there goes your your daycare. There goes your education. There goes your car payment. Everything else. You, you know, you, you're going to walk on that house before you stick around and, and you know, bleed yourself dry. Well, that's not good for the market either. So, well, if, if you if you have, you know, if you reached and had two incomes in the last year or so, and uh, were able to find a place and you got a really you know a great rate three and a half, three seven, wherever you got, and you were you're, you're you're fine. I mean, it doesn't really. I mean, it really doesn't matter. It's it's it comes down to the 
the amount you're paying for month per month. And and if you can pay it, you can live there for thirty years. And all of a sudden, your grandparents and everybody's happy. You know, there's it, you, didn't, you didn't essentially screw yourself at all. But if all of a sudden one of you loses a job or one of you has to transfer and you have to sell the place after four years, and now the rate's seven, the point is, who the hell are you going to sell it to? Right. You know, I mean, your, your your circle of eligible qualified buyers is a lot smaller. Right, and uh, and, and your you know your risk of your you know your down payment is what's lost. I mean, the bank probably won't take a loss, but you will. You know, I mean, I hope you don't, but you and uh, I, you know, it's it's just, but I don't think since it's been so long, Jan, I don't think people are, are conversant with these numbers. That's the beauty of the situation in the eyes of. Lenders. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, but you, you've got a whole generation and a half of people now who have no personal history with any of this. And they are, in some ways, you know, maybe just as naive or, you know, Pollyanna-ish as the people 40 years ago were when they, too, had no track record with anything quite like that. But both, you know, people who are victimized by this kind of climate uh, will pay a tremendous price and they'll be burned for the rest of their days. Well, I thought I was getting—I was totally getting stiffed at this eight and a half percent bridge loan. Little did I know <laughs> that was right. just the start. That was just the start of the beating. Finally, six months ago. Oh God, God! If I was just still paying eight and a half percent. Hey, what do you make of uh, last night? Uh, I met. By the way, you're you're invited one of these Wednesdays in with the judges and attorneys because I, I, I gave me a resume and they said he can come by. Uh, <laughs> But every, everybody was a pretty in group time. I better clean up my act. Oh God! The uh, the uh, one of the judges doesn't even judge anymore. He just tells all the other judges what to do. Just uh, <laughs> the best guy. Oh God, yeah. But he. But the funny part is they were kind of a guess last night that uh, at this new gas thing that that, that this is the, this is a new low in politics. Well, there's always a new low in politics. For those of you who don't know about the Chicago. There's this guy. Was it Willie Wilson? Willie Wilson, yeah, running for mayor. He's announced his candidacy for mayor. He ran last time. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, but I don't, uh, I don't know where he got his dough. But he's was he wasn't he wasn't. Uh, what was the what's the? Uh, I think he has some McDonald's franchises or something or fa- some fast food. Um, he's not the, you know, the what was the conglomerate that he he built on, um, and there's sort of small retail businesses that he just stacked together and has been. He's not he's not the guy from Johnson Products, is he? No, mm, I don't oh, think okay. So. Uh, but anyway, he's got oodles of cash, so he, he's given out like was it two or three times now? He's given out a million dollars worth of free gasoline, and of course, everybody who goes and gets the free gas says they're going to vote for it, right? <laughs> it's, it's like it's like the chicken in the pot where we were a kid. Everybody used to laugh at that. You they drag some guy out of the hills and have him a chicken, and he vote for you. And, uh, and he, so now the mayor, not to be outdone. Has decided to give away free gas that the city's paying for. In, in response, because she's running again, I'm like, wait, wait a minute! You're giving out free gas using the city's money to compete with a guy you're running against who's giving out free gas with his money. I mean, could, it, you know what? Well, you know, the interesting thing it passed by just three votes. Did you see any of the speechifying of the various aldermen? Oh God, I, I heard some of it. <laughs> I, I had to laugh because. Uh, I mean, the, the ones who were opposed to it, and a lot of them were, you know, in the Black Caucus, people like Leslie Hairston and Anthony Beaver, uh, Beal, you know, people who have never trucked with Lightfoot about anything, really. But they were saying this is just a crass political, you know, appeal to people. It, 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 you, you think if you give them free gas or a free transit card, 
um, you got their vote. And Lightfield's, Lightfoot's response looked as completely clueless as she seems about everything else, too. How, how dare could you, how could you possibly think that? Well, of course, the, the, uh, the, 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 the white people are convinced that no way any white person could ever get away with this. You've just given out, here, have, have a free McDonald's and come vote. <laughs> You know, here's here's a McDonald's card from the city. Oh, by the way, my name is Jan Flanning, and vote for me. Leslie Harrison, the Fifth Ward Alderman, Hyde Park and Woodlawn. I mean, she said it. I think the best of anybody I heard in the little snippets on the evening news. But she said, well, "Okay, you give the you know the average Chicagoan two full tanks of gas. Then what? <laughs> That's not going to go very far. But well, the way people have to drive these days. Well, get you down. Are, are you going to keep renewing this and, and further bankrupt the city? I, the, the, the idea that this is going to placate people enough to get their vote is just galling to me. But it, it shows the desperation of Lightfoot at this point. She's got to do something to show her what little base she still has left. Well, the uh, the, the the violence is... Uh, I never thought I'd hear Jesse Jackson. I'm not a big fan of say that the federal government's got to come in and help. This is this is insane. We, You can't take the, whole, the, whole, the entire... For those... Yeah, we've got a couple of minutes here and some people maybe aren't interested, but it's a I'm going to say, and I, I love Medi's opinions, I don't get it often enough these days, um, there's been an entire change in the in the sociology of the city. The idea was you wanted a downtown area because people could get here easy to work, that anybody could come to work back and forth for, what, three bucks a day, four bucks a day. Well, now nobody wants to build downtown because you don't want easy access from the wrong people. And the city is essentially moving to the west side, where you yep. can't get there. That That is insane. That's like saying, we're going to leave Manhattan, where all the subways and stuff are, and we're going to set up in, on Staten Island, because none of the losers can get here. I mean, it, that's what's happening, or where am I wrong here? Well, I, you know, I, I, the company I work for that will remain nameless, that I started to work for in the early 80s, uh, had a downtown office, branch office, they were national insurance underwriter, but they decided to put their local, their Midwestern corporate headquarters in Arlington Heights, which was completely inaccessible unless you had a car. There was no way, really, by any public transportation route I ever figured out. I ended up having to get a car to keep my job. But the the, the people I talked to who had sort of made this decision about where to locate the corporate headquarters when they decided to come in here at all were perfectly frank. They said, we don't want a big presence downtown because that means we'll have to have, you know, the stack of resumes of people we would never want to hire or, or feel safe around. So we'll go to Arlington Heights where we can filter out those people. It's kind of the impression that Sears gave when they moved to Hoffman Estates, you know, too. We, we don't want to deal with, with the urban riffraff that are paying the bills. Um, and of course, once you make the city so unsafe that even the, the people who aren't riffraff don't want to come downtown, and you have to go to Plan B, which means you go off-site and you deal only with people who can get to the inconvenient places and everybody else be damned. It's a whole Dan, we're, we're, we're going to, and I'm not, we're, we're, we're back to, in two years, we're back to having billy clubs, we're back to having a whole bunch of people kicking people off these railroad cars, off, you know, saying you, you can't stand there and, and pee in the railroad car and get away with it because we were, we're afraid to arrest. This is, is way out of hand. It's... I don't know how you bring it back. I honestly don't. I'm, just, I'm glad it's not my problem. That's the number one thing. You have to clean up the CTA. You have to make people safe, feel safe to come back downtown. 
Yeah, that's and I, it. I don't think it's happening. It's it hasn't. It's 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 it was bad before COVID. It's it's tenfold worse. It's much worse now. I agree. Did you see Will Klinger on the Evening News last night? Yeah, he I was saw the that. One who had the Wild Chicago produced program on WTTW back in the eighties, where he'd go around and you know poke around in, in little known places and interview people. It's kind of a wacky investigation of this stuff in Chicago that you never heard about. I think he's become a filmmaker since then, but he's on the red line um, Monday night, and somebody got on it. Addison, it was a couple, he was on his phone, and they came up and grabbed the phone out of his hand, were off the train. He followed them and got beat up, and now he's got a bleed in his head, and the black eye and everything else. And his instructions last night, you know, on the news were, when you ride in the L or the bus, do not have your phone out, and if somebody does take your phone, do not chase them. And the irony here is you got Lightfoot giving away free passes for the CTA in addition to her free gas cards. And I wish he'd put some of that money into making yeah, how many, and bus well, safe to ride. The hell with giving free fare. Yeah, let, let, real quick last question. We got how many bazillion dollars have we spent on cameras? Everybody and his brothers got a contract doing it, and we still can't catch anybody. Nobody, nobody seems to be intimidated by it, Tom. And that, that's a very scary phenomenon. I thought that that would be enough to drive people who were. Isn't that? But but now it seems like the, you know a lot of the crime ring has you know devolved upon um, juveniles I and mean, these people are the employee of larger organizations. So that even if a camera does capture them, and even if they can track them down, nothing's going to happen no. to them. SP futures up forty four, Nasdaq futures up one eighty. Trying to come back here in the face of this GDP number, which is lousy. Uh, John, talk to you uh, uh, Monday, if not sooner, if you get that sector finally rearranged. Matty Weber, good to have you back, buddy. Uh, be back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 